Hello everyone, welcome back to the Namster Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today, very special guest, my friend Elliot Axelman from Liberty Block. How's it going? Excellent, how are you? <laughs> Good. So, for those who don't know who you are, because you know we're both pretty small shows, explain a little bit about Liberty Block. So, the Liberty Block is evolving. It's, we're evolving right now, okay. and we're still really a fledgling, trying to uh, find our own identity, I suppose. It began, I would say, a year and a half ago in southwest Connecticut in a studio called WGCH Studio on 1490 AM. And I kind of kind of lucked into it, kind of a coincidence. I knew a libertarian. He was doing a uh, radio show once a week. It was called Mr. EDU. It was Mark Stewart Greenstein. He's been an educator. He's a lawyer, but he's an educator, uh, tutor for like 30 years. And he had a show called Mr. EDU. And as a libertarian, the second half of his show would be called Liberty Block. Just randomly, he I think it was with me. Because he wanted to have on uh, like a libertarian guest on the second half of the show every week. Yeah, it was Mr. Edu about education and tutoring and um, like on uh, studying for, for college SATs and all that stuff. And the second half hour was pretty libertarian. He called it the Liberty Block, and he kind of just named it that that randomly. The second segment, I was with him on an interview one day because he wanted to talk to a libertarian from New York because the Southwest Connecticut studio broadcasted to like Southwest Connecticut, but also um, Westchester County, Bronx, and some of Queens. So it was really New York and Connecticut show, and he had me on, and he and he just came back from break and said, "Hi, welcome to the Liberty Block, this, the second part of the show." And I have Elliot Axon with me, and I was a, a guest on the show, and it was great. We spoke about I think education and about and about the city uh, government agencies in New York, and it was great. And I just you know uh, ragged all over the uh, the government agencies in New York, and he said yeah, it was great. Come back, and I came back in a few weeks, and then he said he's going to be off one week, and asked if I wanted to fill in, and it went pretty well. I mean, I was terrified. I asked <laughs> I if I could ask my brother to co-host with me to make it easier, and we did, and it was great. It was fantastic. And then after a few weeks, he eventually handed off the show to me. And then I, I started, I did uh, 10 weeks there, and then I moved here. Okay. So I, I kind of did 10 weeks, and it was, as you could imagine, some of the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. Some some producer must not have known me because he let me get behind a mic and gave me uh, the sound engineer and gave me all the resources of WGCH Studio to do a show for one hour every every week for, wow. for 10 weeks. And uh, I did whatever I wanted. I didn't curse. Um, I tried not to sound too, too crazy on a piss, but <laughs> I did really whatever I wanted for that full hour. And and so before I started the show, I, I was friends with Mark Stewart, and he was a handoff, so he I, I uh, filled in for him as a, a guest host once or twice or three times, then he said eventually he's going to hand it off to me, and, and we knew, and he said, hey, as I hand it off and I continue my other libertarian stuff, he's running for governor now in Connecticut, he's doing a whole campaign, yeah. running as a Democrat, though, I think, but, but you know, because it's Connecticut. But he's doing his own thing, so he was handing it off to me. He said, you know, let's create a website. That way, when we tell our friends to listen to the show, if they can't listen from, like, that 6 to 7 p.m. hour, they can listen online somewhere. And at this point, I knew nothing about IT. I still know nothing about tech or websites, but I've learned a little bit over the years because I'm very low tech. But um, he decided, let's create a website so you can at least have somewhere to maybe host the audio of the show after you download it so friends can listen. So I created yeah. libertyblock.com. I just went on Wix and just created a website and just built and built and built over the last year and a half. And we hosted all the web, all the uh, audio from the shows. Yeah. And we put it up there. And then I, I started writing and I realized, you know, I like writing. And I wrote a few articles about New York City, the budget. One of my first articles, um, it was it was kind of a, a like a pretty funny, uh, at least I thought it was pretty funny, an article <laughs> about like my 10 favorite items on the New York City budget. Because the budget for, uh, I guess, 2017 was mm -hmm. coming out for New York City. Or maybe 2016 was coming out for New York City, and at this point it was like 73 billion dollar budget. Yeah. And then I went to 86 billion, and this year 2018 it's going to be right around 100 billion wow. for New York City budget. Wow. Um, so that's New York City. It's got 8 million people. For reference, New Hampshire, which has 1.3 million people, the budget is 6 billion a year. 
So we have uh, a fifth or a sixth amount of people, but our budget is not even close to a tenth. It's like a twentieth of the budget yeah. of New York City. So incredible. Mm-hmm. But you'd think for New York City, they're spending a hundred billion. We'd have they'd have the best hospitals, the best roads, the best um, city governments. If you want to ask me how good the city governments are, how good the roads are in New York City, you know how many times my brother has not only popped a tire but broken an axle because the roads are so, like, pretty much like the moon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, horrible, horrible craters in, in the roads there. Um, they also operate, I believe, 11 hospitals New York City government operates. If you ask any medic, anyone in New York who knows hospitals, they'll tell you. Ask them what the worst hospital is. Ask them what the worst 11 hospitals are. They'll name you those hospitals run by the government. It's amazing. So... Anyway, I wrote this article, one of my first articles that I put up on Liberty Block, as well as the audio to supplement it with some blogging, like some articles, was was some of the most ridiculous budget items. I wrote, they're spending however many hundreds of millions on the diversity office, the diversity department of New York City. Yeah. I'm, and I'm like, come on. You know, diversity is great, but New York City, we are diverse. We are the most diverse city. We don't need hundreds of million dollars for an agency to, you know, what improve you know diversity so i wrote about that i wrote about um the education department i assume they spend i forget probably a few billion on the education department in new york city which is the worst the worst in the country i believe the worst education numbers um their their own people cuny suny their their own government has said that like 55 percent or so of people coming out of high school after high school like 55 percent are still not college ready yeah out of their, their the new york city public school system so i wrote about that i wrote about the uh the what is it the TLC, the Taxi Limousine Commission, that controls all the taxis and everything. Yeah, that's also I think a few hundred million or a few billion dollar a year budget. It's incredible sanitation, so the garbage pickup. It's two billion dollar a year budget, just about. FDNY is two billion. F, uh, NYPD's five billion. Five billion dollar a year budget. That's almost the whole budget for our state. Yeah. So I wrote about that, and I, I kind of wrote it in, in, in like an interesting way, like uh, giving out superlatives. Yeah. So I wrote like um, most mafia budget, and I like most mafia like budget. And I gave it to like the the, the TLC, which is the mafia. Or maybe I gave it to a uh, sanitation of the teachers' department. So I, I gave like you know most um most ironic budget and like the yeah. diversity stuff and and most like um, libertarian budget like talking about my roads because the DOT is is uh, the DOT budget of New York City is about a billion a year also it's wow. like nine hundred some million then wow. so I, I wrote that was one of my first articles so I put that on the site as well and I started writing more and I realized the more I write the better I get the more comfortable I get so I ended up writing a fair amount of articles while I was doing the show once a week as well. I would have one guest. I had Larry Sharp. I had a few other guests. I actually um, had the, the honor of having Keith Smith on as a guest. He's a guy, um, a doctor who created the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Okay. So it was like one of the first kind of like a, a free market alternative cash only surgeries. They list nice. the prices on the site. Wow. So he started like 20 years ago and, and they list all the prices for all many procedures, surgical procedures on their site and they don't take insurance. It's just cash. And they do fantastically well and it's pure free market stuff and very transparent because everyone knows the prices. And this, this guy, uh, Keith Smith, who's, who was the founder, who's an anesthesiologist, and he hired surgeons, so they all work together. He he's, goes around being on CNBC, on Stossel, on Fox, on this, on yeah. CBS, all, all the time. So I emailed him and said, hey, I'm a medic. You know, I have a show. I, I, I love it. I love the free market stuff. Would you come on the show? And he's like, yeah, that'll be fun. So he came on the show. I gave him a whole hour one week. So I had also amazing guests. So I had him. I had a bunch of other libertarian guests, and I kind of did the show myself. I had my brother on. I had some other friends on. So it, it was pretty awesome. And after 10 weeks, I was preparing to move to New Hampshire, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to keep driving to Connecticut to do it. Yeah. So it, since the movement to New Hampshire a year ago, it's kind of transformed. The site has transformed more into primarily articles. I'm writing um, between between one and 10 articles a month. It's random because I'm, I'm busy and it depends what happens. So if there's a really bad bill that I think might pass, like uh, last year, House Bill 628, the FMLI bill, I, I read the bill and I thought, you know, this could pass because it has the keyword. It has for the children. Yeah. So I realized it could pass. So I figure I got to write about it. So, so we wrote an article about that and then 
following up on that, we wrote uh, five or ten more articles on that. Yeah. And a few other representatives vote, wrote articles on that as well. So now we're really focused on mostly articles. But the last few weeks, I'm trying to get back to doing a show once a week. Yeah. Because it was so fun and it's, it's good. It's different to talk to people with a video. And yeah. So the last five or ten weeks, we're doing every Thursday evening, 7 p.m., just calling it the Liberty Block Live because we're on Facebook Live. Mm. And just kind of, again, we're kind of trying to find our own identity and see what Liberty Block is. Yeah. All I know is that it's it's the the goal would be to educate people in New Hampshire enough to, to give them the tools and resources they need to help them keep New Hampshire the freest state in the country. Yeah. So this is always a fun conversation to get into. So, because you'd think people want to be free and they'd want, you know, yeah, you'd think. <laughs> all of this really cool stuff that they can get themselves and they can do for themselves. And But why do you think that constantly fails? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic question. It's very interesting <laughs> philosophically to talk about it. Um, my my father, who uh, worked at, like in, in psychotherapy for like decades, he has some theories about about people, and and eventually he's he's realized and and he told me and I'm starting to think he's right. The people don't want freedom. Um, you know, some people say freedom with more freedom comes more responsibility because mm-hmm. you have more autonomy, more independence. You so the less taxes and socialism and government programs that are taking care of you, babying you, holding your hand, telling you what to do, the more you have to go out there and kind of do it yourself. Um, and some people might be afraid of that. And again, me, people like us might want that responsibility. And, and again, it's more freedom, but it's more responsibility. And mm-hmm. it means we have more discretion. And some people might not be prepared for that or don't don't want to handle it. They have to go out there and maybe buy insurance on their own. If you have Medicare for all, it's easy. It's simple. Everyone has Medicare. Mm-hmm. Me, I have to go out there and find a job with insurance or, or buy insurance on my own. And, and that could be complicated. And I understand yeah. because right now health insurance is the most complicated, uh, you know, thing in the world being in, in emergency medicine for seven years i still almost know nothing about health insurance because it's so complicated and and the doctors don't and the insurance people don't yeah. it's very complicated so people don't want to handle that they want you know medicare for all it's simple it sounds fair it sounds equal makes you feel good like you're a good socialist and, and it's simple so people i think they, they don't want it but also but on the other hand if i wanted to i can make the argument that people do want freedom mm-hmm. if you if you were to go personally and i, I don't like polls because you know a lot can go wrong in a poll, but if you were to personally ask all 320 million individuals in the U.S., do you want freedom? And ask them 10 questions. Ask them, do you want more or less freedom? Most of them would say they want more freedom than they have now. If you ask them, do you want to keep more of your, your hard-earned income? Most of them would say they want to keep more, right? Yeah. You know it. No one walks around saying, I want to pay more taxes. Very, very, very few, very hard left Dems, uh, socialists, Democrats, communists. Very few people I've heard like five of my whole life say they want to pay more taxes. People want to keep more of their money. People want freedom. Most people, maybe 50, 70, 80% of the country wants to have freedom to defend themselves with any weapon they want. Most people want property rights. They want to be able to build in their own house. Uh, zoning laws. We could, I could do a whole a whole hour on zoning laws. <laughs> it's disgusting. I, I went to Home Depot yesterday saying I want to build, we have a one-car garage. I want yeah. a two-car garage. I can't build another garage, but I want, I was thinking maybe a canopy to protect the second car from the yeah. snow and stuff. It would help a little bit. And I went to Home Depot and said, hey, you know, you know, um, what would be the best materials maybe? You know, you have, do you have an expert here to consult with? And he's like, you know what? Why don't you talk to your city council first about which materials are legal for, yeah. for building on your own property? And I'm like, wait, we're talking about my own property. Yeah. Um, I should be able to build whatever I want. And if you come on my property, you know, you know what property rights meant 100 years ago? It means get off my property or, or you know, you get to kill them. So yeah. that's what property rights used to mean 100 years ago. But now, you know, government regulators, like there was some state rep in, uh, in maybe uh, Laconia, yeah. somewhere in Belknap County. Who, who was living in, in maybe his RV, living in his house, and it's all illegal. No, 
illegal because of uh, zoning laws and all that. You can only live where we say you can live. So if you ask most of the country individually, do you want more property rights? Do you want to be able to build a shelf in your house or a garage in the back of your house or a shed without the government giving you permission? Most would say yes. Mm -hmm. So I think in general, do most people want, most people in the country, probably 80, 90% would want what we would describe as libertarian values. But what happens between between what they desire and the legislation? There's a lot between that, right? Yeah. So they elect someone and they kind of get, you know, two parties. They each have a nominee who chooses the nominee. Pretty much the big parties choose the nominees, but they make, you know, they make a primary, but they kind of select who they want to win. Yeah. And and then you have two choices. Now you got to choose between a pretty horrible Republican. Yeah, it's a bad nominee, but we'll have a better nominee in two years. So let's, you know, let's support him. Let's hold their notes and support him. You have a Democrat who, you know, is worse. And, and the Democrats think the Republicans worse, but mm -hmm. they don't like their nominees. The Republicans didn't really like Trump. The Democrats hated Clinton. I, I had a lot of Democrat friends in New York City. Not a single one of them liked Clinton. There was one girl who lived in upstate New York who was kind of apologizing for Clinton, saying she's not that bad. But everyone I knew hated Clinton, but they, yeah. they, they liked Bernie. But but again, we don't have the nominees that we really want. In one of my articles about, about how government really doesn't represent us that well, mm -hmm. um, I know it's shocking. They don't represent us. Like Our representatives don't represent us. I wrote about how you could win an election. You know, they say um, – when a politician's in office, they say they were duly elected. They won the election, you know, and now they can make laws, right? They won 51% of the vote at least, right? 51% or more, right? No. In a primary, meaning those who actually affirmatively vote for you, in a primary, you could win 2% of the vote of, of the population, of the voters, mm -hmm. and your opponent got like 1.8%. So you win yeah. a primary, and then you win the general because of those two, you're the less crappy one. Yeah. Chris Christie, one of the most hated governors in the country, hated by New Jersey, hated by everyone. In a second term, in the primary, you know how many people in New Jersey voted for him? How many registered voters? No. I think it was less than 3% of the registered voters voted for him in the primary. Hmm. Was this a massive primary like Trump, like with 17 candidates and everything? No. Two people. Of two people. It was him and another Republican. And and less than 3% of, of voters, registered voters in New Jersey, I believe. Or less than 3% of the people in New Jersey. Less than 4% of the registered voters actually affirmatively voted for him. But he won the primary. And then him versus the Democrat, you know, they're both bad. Let's vote for Christie. That's how he won. He won with, like, a few people in New Jersey, a few thousand voting for him. And he won, and now he's the governor of New Jersey for four years. So that's how it happens. Yeah. And I, I wrote an article, one of the articles I'm most proud of, about, about is America a representative republic or is it an unrepresentative oligarchy because it's ruled by a few people. Yeah. And I wrote a whole article. On, uh, it's one of, one of, I think, my better articles. I write, like, four massive reasons for why we are not represented, that disconnect between, like you said, the people who probably want freedom and the the legislation that's actually enacted. Yeah. And we're starting to see it more and more where if you're in a particular family, you're more likely to become elected further on down the road. So it's oh, yeah, literally yeah. turning into... Like, there are dynasties. There are dynasties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you like, look at every state, I don't know every state, but probably, mm -hmm. like in New York, Cuomo, him, I think his brother, his dad, his brother isn't uh, CNN, but his dad was the governor, I think. Yeah. Cuomo. And yeah. Mass, it's like the Kennedys, I want to say. Yeah. And yeah. Then, then. It's the new news in New Hampshire. Yeah. Cheney owns Wyoming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's probably a dynasty in every state or, mm -hmm. or a few families. Um, the Clintons were, were Arkansas, but New York also, I think. But yeah, there, there are dynasties. Mm -hmm. And Bush, um, Florida, of course, and, and Texas. But. There are definitely dynasties, and and again, like what I love is, is people say America's a democracy, right? Mm -hmm. The smart people say no, I'm smart. It's a republic, right? Because they're so smart, and I'm like, no, it's not a republic. It's not a constitutional republic. We don't have constitutional rights anymore, because First Amendment, Second Amendment, Tenth Amendment, almost non-existent. Fourth Amendment, almost totally non-existent. Um, we don't have the rights anymore of a constitutional republic. We're not really a democracy. We vote. We're more of a democracy, but we're really a democratic oligarchy or an unrepresentative oligarchy because we're ruled by a few people. 
when it gets down to it, we're probably ruled right now by the president, the speaker, the Senate leaders. So it's four or five people. Well, um, and also the judicial branch, like yeah, the, and the courts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The courts have been they really writing a lot of laws lately. Yeah. So that's another one of them. So yeah. So in the article, I write like four big <laughs> reasons why yeah. what you and I want doesn't matter. No, but you can vote. You get one vote. I'll, no, it doesn't matter, dude. It really doesn't matter. Um, because the, the courts can write laws on a city and state and federal level. They can mm -hmm. really write laws. And, and we see it increasingly over hundreds of years. But go back to uh, 1800, 1810 with Marbury versus Madison, where the Supreme Court kind of said, oh, well, we can kind of, you know, s rule that we don't have the authority to rule something. So let it be because we want to, you know, pass the book. Mm -hmm. So they can kind of already start, you know, giving themselves more powers. And that's the problem with the courts. So, so it's the courts, it's it's the actual voting stuff, and there are a few a few other massive reasons I bring up in the article for why it doesn't really matter what we want, it doesn't matter how we vote. We're not a democratic republic, we're not a constitutional republic. We're, we are ruled by a few people. Those who think that they can change, you know, right now Trump is running the country. I think Schumer runs the Senate, but a few people. It's probably Schumer, Pelosi, maybe McConnell, and Trump, and a few others running the country right now. It is what it is. People who think they can change that, it, they can't really. And there might even be people, you know, more powerful than them running behind the scenes. But but we can't change it. And, and that's why I want to focus on New Hampshire so much. Concord is so close to us. We're mm -hmm. far from D.C. Um, our senators, Hassan, uh, Shaheen, we can't get to them. They're not accessible. Yeah. Um, and they're in D.C. and they don't care what we think because, you know, they have, they're going to only maybe listen to the Democrats, but not us. But Concord is easier. As far as policy in New Hampshire, we could affect it. Going back to House Bill 628 last year, um, I, I saw the article, I saw the bill. Someone posted it on my Facebook, probably some libertarian state rep mm. posted it and I read the bill and I, I saw, well, it's a new tax and I saw it could pass because it has the keyword, it's for the children. So I realized that's dangerous, it could pass. So I, I wrote an article about it and then um, AFP caught on a few months later, NHLA caught on and, and a few others caught on and some good Republicans started fighting it. And then after, like right before the Senate vote, when it passed the House, right before the Senate vote, Sanudu sent a decent letter to the Senate saying, hey, I can't support it as is, so please, be, please I'll kill it. So... That was one example of what we could do in New Hampshire. Liberty Block, so that's me. It's, it's really just me. Um, my, my family helps a tiny bit. My friends help a tiny bit. But it's, it's like 99.9%. I'm just trying to run it. And I mm -hmm. work 60 hours a week. So yeah. I spend what little time I have, I spend on it. And little money I have, I spend on it as far as boosting on Facebook. But that article I wrote, the original article I wrote about House Bill 628 is, is an income tax. It's a payroll income tax, which is the same thing. Um, that article, I boosted it for like a total of 50 bucks over, over the first few months during the whole fight of, of when it was passing the House. Um, over 17,000 people saw it come across their Facebooks in New Hampshire. And yeah. that's like that's like a few percent of the, the elected, like registered voters in New Hampshire. So that's yeah. that's a massive impact. Yeah. And just realizing like what an impact I can have and did the bill fail because of me or because of AFP or because of NHLA or because of the LP? I don't know. But if did I play a bit of a part in it? Probably, because 17,000 people saw my article come across their newsfeed at some point. And I only target New Hampshire because New Hampshire. Yeah. So you got to figure almost all of them, 90% are in New Hampshire. So that's like, you know, that's that's more than one or two or three percent of registered voters in New Hampshire. Yeah. That's incredible. So if one out of every thousand actually got on the phone with their state rep or emailed them, that's still an impact. That's 17 people calling and emailing their state reps. That's a big impact. So kind of that's very encouraging. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm pessimistic. Like I'm always pessimistic about this stuff, even on a state level. But that was very encouraging, seeing that that one article I wrote about it really reached over 17,000 people. And then I wrote like 10 more articles about it as well. And, and uh, another state rep who's pretty libertarian wrote an article and I published it. I republished it on my site. Um, so just seeing what an impact we could have on state politics because it's also local and close and because of the way our legislature is set up with the 400 state reps and the public hearings for every bill, it's it gives us a lot of good tools to keep New Hampshire free. And that's why I'm optimistic about New Hampshire. Yeah. 
Pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. So, I think this is a fun one. So, I forget if we talked about it on this, but earlier we kind of discussed uh, how New Hampshire is one of the more free states. Correct? The freest state. The freest. I don't care what Cato says about Florida. <laughs> so, one of the, pretty much the freest state out yeah. there um, as compared to the other ones. What can we do to make it better? Because this is always a fun because saying it's the freest state doesn't mean it's completely free. It's it just means, yeah, yeah. yeah, instead of having all four limbs tied down, we have two. Yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so, how do we do to make it even better? Take that next step. Um, if you're asking what's on my wish list for legislation to pass in the next session, that I've already worked on some of the bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you a lot about police accountability. As I became from conservative, who always supported the police, to libertarian, and realized, you know, Police are not infallible. They're not all angels. Mm -hmm. In fact, of the one million cops in the country, maybe a few hundred thousand or 998,000 are, are, are actually evil and violent. So seeing a lot of videos and a lot of stats, I've kind of seen, you know, a lot of them are pretty bad. So they need accountability. They need to be accountable. They can't just murder and rape everyone. They should be punished, maybe. That's what I was thinking. And Brailsford case and a lot of the other cases made me realize they walked free after murdering someone. So I've written a few, a few proposed legislation, like a proposed bills for police accountability. I have a few articles on my site. If you go to, to on my site on libertyblock.com for the tag and and you I'm learning learning how to use tags yeah. so on the website so you on the <laughs> bottom of the article there are a few tags and one of them is police or right now it's I I named the tag uh, law enforcement click that and you'll see like ten articles come up ten or twenty I've written a fair amount on on a uh, police reform one of them is is titled uh, seven reforms that would fix police and it's it's a pretty serious article like I, I I do bash law enforcement sometimes and I think for good reason but this is a pretty serious article about seven reforms that would help them and help us and help society and help communities like them more and help everyone work together better by by also restricting the kind of stuff that they they uh, could could charge people for and, and prosecute people for and punish us for um, that article I, I wrote it was also a show when I was back in WGCH in Connecticut so I guess over a year ago a year and a half ago I, I made one whole episode on the show one one radio show about about police accountability and towards the end, I said, hey, you know, I have like three or four arms that would kind of fix policing. And and then I, it evolved in the article. By the time I published the article, it was seven reforms. So seven key reforms. Um, among them are making the, the police officer, uh, they're going to hate this one, <laughs> making the police <laughs> officer themselves responsible for financial damages and, and paying. So currently, right now, if, if a cop walks into this, this studio and beats the living crap out of us and maybe kills one of us, um, my family's going to sue them and they're going to, probably settle for for 12 million dollars right they mm -hmm. killed us right who pays that 12 million yeah where are we bedford right now yeah yeah the the bedford uh bedford police meaning the bedford taxpayers would mm -hmm. pay that was that cop punished no it's not his 12 million dollars he doesn't even carry insurance for liability does he so the bedford taxpayers are punished so some rogue cop was high on pcp beat the crap out of us and killed one of us and mm -hmm. the who's punished the most the me because i died <laughs> my family right and the bedford taxpayers they're punished yeah, I've seen so many of these. Again, I've bookmarked like hundreds of these cases of a, a cop kicked the man in the chest and like you know, broke some bones. Uh, Eight hundred thousand dollars settlement. Who paid it? Not the cop. So I think maybe they'll be less likely to to use violence to use uh, excessive brutality if they know that they're on the hook for it. Or yeah. and, and what's going to happen naturally? Again, we both you know understand spontaneous order. Things develop naturally as required, right? Within one day of that law passing, if my dream law passes, that makes them accountable and not the taxpayers. Within one day, what's going to happen? We're going to have a whole market pop up of insurance, right? Yeah. So me as a medic, but more so every doctor has to carry insurance because they know malpractice, right? 
if you're sued and you settle for $8 million, no doctor has that kind of money in his pocket. They have insurance, malpractice. They pay up to a few million for me. You know, if I'm sued as a paramedic and I make a mistake and, and I, I hurt a patient, if I'm sued for up to like $6 million a year, my malpractice insurance I pay will, will pay for it and, and yeah. no harm to me. And that's fine, but at least make the cops pay a few bucks a month for their insurance to make them realize that it's them. And stop punishing taxpayers. Yeah. If a cop beats you up, why should the taxpayers pay? A cop beats you up, and me being one of the taxpayers, I should be up. Why am I paying? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. So not only do they beat you up, you have to pay them for it. Yes, you pay, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. You and all your neighbors pay for it. <laughs> yeah. So they beat me up, and my neighbors and I have to pay for you know the settlement. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I've seen so many of these cases. There was a study. I'll, I'll have to look at the article after this. But there was um, in New York City over like a span of three years or something. There was like uh, millions, maybe hundreds of millions, paid out in these settlements in, in New York City. But every city has this. They have a lot of settlements because cops, mm -hmm. you know, they hurt people either intentionally or otherwise. But you know, they should be they should be responsible or have insurance for it. So that was one of them. But also one of the, one of their reforms was just totally abolish victimless crimes. Yeah. If I'm going to be in my own house smoking any kind of plant I want in my own house. You know, the cops shouldn't be bursting down my door to kill me. It's it's not good for anyone. It's not good for the person because, you know, it's a damn plant. And just so the audience knows, I'm like the, the biggest uh, opponent of marijuana. You know, I, I've yelled at half my friends, smack the, you know, the joint out of their hands, smack it out of their mouth, smack cigarettes out of their mouth. I think, you know, besides for air, which is 78% uh, nitrogen, 20% oxygen, mm -hmm. nothing should be going in your lungs. There's a reason, you know, certain things go in your lungs. Put in smoke, you're going to have a bad time. But the government shouldn't regulate it. I don't think yeah. the government has any business doing it. If you want to smoke, do what you want to do. You know what? I eat cheeseburgers. You're choosing to die of lung cancer or COPD. I'm choosing to die of heart disease. We all have choice, right? I'm pro-choice. <laughs> See, there you go. And that's the point. You know, I think this is actually a really good point that we're making right now. And this is something people have just seemed to have lost over time. It's just because you're against the government regulating it doesn't yep. mean you're for it. Yep. So, like... I think this is a huge conversation that yeah. comes up. I'm kind of derailing here. We need to do like where, a whole 10-hour episode about this, about yeah. this issue. And then because freedom of speech comes up all the yep, time yep, here yep. where people are like, oh, racism. That's the huge one. Everyone's talking yep. about it. I don't support racists. Do they have the right to say it? Yes. And is that controversial? Sure. People are going to hate me for it. And if you do, shut up. Don't watch my show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the point. But that's something people are just lost. Yeah, so, uh, and, and I've spoken to so many smart people, people who I respect about this issue, about about there are two worlds. And whenever I have a debate with someone, which is all the time, because I, I debate a lot, yeah. um, I, I try to, to uh, at least ascertain whether we're talking about, about legislation and laws and actual law and, and use of force by police and, and crimes, mm -hmm. or are we talking about is it a good idea to do? Yeah. Right now, ask me, I'm a medic. I've been in, in emergency medicine for, for seven years since 2011. I know what COPD is. I, I've transported, I've probably had over a thousand patients with COPD, mm -hmm. chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So you smoke for a long time or you're around a lot of uh, bad um, air quality. You're, mm -hmm. you, you generally get COPD at some point over a few decades and it's, you know, it could be, it could be worse or it could be more, more uh, mild. But, but should people be able to smoke if they want? Should people be able to do whatever, you know, whatever they want? Yeah. I mean, I think people should be able to do whatever they want as long as they don't murder someone. Mm -hmm. um, don't murder, don't rape, don't steal. That's all. It's that simple. And that's what, you know, we used to have 240 years ago in the Constitution. But so there's a big difference. And, and people debate me, no, well, all the weed is bad. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, and smoking is bad. I'm like, yeah, they are bad. Smoking is legal. Alcohol is legal. You know, things that are killing the most people in the country. Heart disease. The, the top killer, cancer and heart disease, right? The two top killers. Mm -hmm. There's nothing illegal of all the causes of cancer and heart disease. Nothing's really illegal. The top causes of cancer, cigarettes and the other stuff and the other and the other uh, you know bad bad things we do with our bodies and probably the cell phones and everything probably causes uh, cancer. But it's all legal. 
heart disease. Again, I know what heart disease is. I've had thousands of patients I've, tr I've treated over the, over the last seven years with, with heart disease. Cheeseburgers. I know what cheeseburgers are, man. Like, it, it's so simple. I eat cheeseburgers a few times a week. Should it be illegal? If we're going to ban things that are bad for people, we need to ban cheeseburgers. And I told someone this a few weeks ago on the show. Like, if we're going to ban things that will be dangerous for people, we need to. The first thing we need to do is get rid of cigarettes because they they cause the COPD, the lung cancer, and the heart attacks and the strokes because they actually they make your your uh, blood clot a lot more as well. So they kind of hit every point. So cigarettes are like one of the absolute absolute worst things for health and humanity. Yeah, but they're legal. Um, so again, so whenever I have a debate, I try to I try to ask them, hey, all right, dude, you know, are we talking about legislation? Because then I don't support it. Are we talking about is it a good idea or culture or what should you recommend your friend do? Let's talk about that. If you're talking about as a friend, I say, hey, buddy, don't smoke. You're, you're being really stupid right now. Don't smoke. Um, if you're talking about legislation, you know, it should be legal. Do are you hurting, hurting anyone else? Are you smoking in a baby's face? Out? No, you're in your own house. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But you know what I've found? That question that you just asked me. Mm -hmm. Almost all of my most respected, my smartest libertarian conservative friends cannot make that determination. They can't separate the two. Yeah. M my mother, no, all the drugs are bad, they need to be illegal. I'm like, yeah, yeah, drugs are bad. You know, a lot of drugs are, are really harmful for various reasons, but they shouldn't be illegal. No, the drugs are bad, they need to be illegal. I'm like, no, you know, they, they should be, the police shouldn't break down your door and kill you for it because, you know, in New Hampshire, they're going to get shot back at, and then they all, you know, yeah. neighbors get shot too. It's, it's a bad, it's a bad time. But, Again, on a personal level, I tell my friends and, and everyone, don't do drugs. You know, don't do any of this stuff. But legislation, I don't support it. And that distinction is so damn difficult for people to grasp. And that that's what we need to work on. You know, make people realize there's the voluntary side of things where me, on my personal level, when I'm not in the state house, I tell people, hey, please don't smoke. I explain to them what COPD is, lung cancer, the heart disease, the stroke, the pulmonary embolus, DVTs, all the risks. And, and just, you know, the bad cardio, you can't run. My yeah. friends who are big smokers, they try to run 10 feet with me, they can't do it. It's sad. It's really, really sad. And it destroys your lungs and you will get COPD eventually. So I tell them that personally, but then in the state house, when it comes down to actually making a law, meaning passing legislation, people think legislation is a good idea. They think if it passes in a bill, people will say it's illegal, I won't do it. No, that's not how it works. If you pass it in, in a bill, you're saying, I support the use of force by police, city or state police, to come into your house and bring you to jail or kill you if you do this. That's what people need to realize. And and I think Larry Sharp, this is one of the first videos I saw of Larry Sharp, um, and when I started liking him, he, he said this. He said, we need to make people in society realize that passing a new law, saying we need a law about this certain thing or passing new legislation, means I am willing to send police to someone's house to bring them to jail or kill them if they resist for this. So think to yourself, how important is it? You think weed is bad? How bad is it? Are you willing to send police to someone's house to kill them for it? If the answer is yes, then support the bill. If the answer is, oh, maybe not, they don't deserve to die. It's a 17 year old smoking up. You know, they don't deserve to die. They don't support that bill. That's what we need to make people realize. Same with taxes, right? The FMLI bill. Mm -hmm. It was going to be an increase in 0.67%, so almost 1% of the payroll tax. Yeah. So for every 1% of payroll tax means for every $100 you pay your employee, you got to give a dollar to the government. So that adds up over time, of course. Yeah. Are you willing to support that increase so much so that if they don't pay, you're gonna send police to the house to drag them away or steal their money or throw them in jail or kill them? Mm -hmm. It's not It's not worth it. Think about use of force. And that's why as voluntarists, as libertarians, as anarchists, whatever you, whatever you wanna call us, we believe in consent. We believe in property rights, use of force, uh, self-ownership, the non-aggression principle. Yeah. You can't be aggressive and use violence to steal someone's money because theft is essentially a violent crime because you're taking their property by force. Yeah. You, you can't do it. You can't initiate force. You can only defend yourself. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't in initiate force ever, and you shouldn't take anyone's money ever, even if you voted on it, and, you know, even if you're going to spend it on a good thing for the children of the roads.
Yeah. Can we talk about dominoes? <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Now, this actually brings up, again, kind of a sidebar, but it's something I've gotten in a little debates with professors over this before and blah, 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 because we've gone over the Constitution and all this stuff, and this comes up. So we talk about the non-aggression power. You're not supposed to hurt someone, take their stuff, anything like yeah. that. We learned it in first grade. We all learned it, right? <clears throat> yeah. And But there's a very... But it's funny when you read the Constitution, you know, part of the Second Amendment is, you know, when the government steps out of line, the people they need to replace the government. And That's written in the Declaration, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, wherever that shows up. Yeah. So this becomes an interesting point when, especially now with libertarians and all this stuff, because we want freedom. The government tends to overstep itself. But we have something in place, again, where we're not supposed to harm, harm people. Yeah. How do you go about fixing all this stuff? Because we're getting to a point where it's it's getting it's so corrupt that, as you said earlier, there's no fixing this. We can't do anything about it. The only way to go about it would be to rip it down and replace it. But at the same time, we can't hurt anybody. <laughs> Are you asking how I reconcile the non-aggression principle with yeah, I'm, ultimately revolution? Because for because <laughs> essentially, I'm again, I was a soldier. I've been on the battlefield. I understand that type of thing and. Even as a libertarian, I would be fine picking up arms to overthrow the government if they step out of line too far. But I, what is that line too far? How do you uh, that's, assess that? That's the question. How do you go about where do we even... like? This is a conversation people aren't having or aren't willing to have. Like, What's too far? Is them coming for our guns too far? That's is, a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. Because, <laughs> because, you know, a lot of... Depending on how conservative you are, or libertarian, or anarchist, depending where you are and everything else... People say, and you're right. It's such a good question because I, I'm, well, I thought I was the only one who thinks of this. Because so you have right now, right now, maybe maybe 100 million or 80 million self-identified conservatives in the country, and if you ask them about the Second Amendment, most of them will probably respond with something to the effect of, the Second Amendment was written in, was written into the Constitution by our, our wise for uh, founding fathers with foresight, so that we can defend ourselves from tyranny should the government ever step out of line and become tyrannical. What does tyrannical mean? These conservatives are essentially saying, not yet. They're not that bad yet. You know, they might steal 50% of your income, which they do. 45% of my income was taken last year by the government. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they might not give you property rights because you can't do anything on your own property. you got to pay property taxes. You have zoning laws. You can't build a goddamn shelf in many states in your own house without a zoning permit. Um, you, can't, you, can't do, you can't do anything without permission. You, I'm sure you've seen the memes. Name one thing mm -hmm. you can do without permission. You yeah. could blink. You could take a breath. Everything else you need permission for it. You need a permit or, or some kind of permission or, or there are laws governing it or pay a tax on it. Almost everything we do, you got to pay a tax on. You buy a new thing, pay a tax on it. You go somewhere to eat, pay a tax. You drive your car, gas tax, toll tax, this, that. All, all the taxes, parking taxes, the meters, like we were saying. Yeah. So um, people, a lot of conservatives will say the government's not there yet. They're, they're not tyrannical yet. But if they step out of line, yeah, I'm a badass. I would totally fight them. Would they really? Yes and no. I don't. You never really know what's in their heart. But... Would they be smart to fight them? Probably not. I mean, you're not going to fight the whole U.S. government and U.S. military. Um, but it's a very good question as far as what is too far. Yeah. But also, um, how how do you reconcile it with the non-aggression principle? Yeah. In general, let's talk about the, the NAP first. Now, now, and I was just thinking about this the other day because I think about it from time to time. The non-aggression principle, right? We, we know the basics of it. Don't initiate force. Non-aggression principle. Don't initiate force on someone. If someone throws a strike, you can block it and maybe retaliate, right? How long after the fact can you retaliate, you know, in good conscience without violating the nap? If I block your punch, can I punch you back a minute later? Yeah. What if you start walking away? Maybe. Can I hit you back then? Is it still self-defense? If you're leaving the scene? Legally, yeah. it's not, right? But what if you're going to get a gun? 
So I was thinking about this. Like, what it, the nap is not as clear as some people will make it think. It's not that clear. Yeah. If someone comes in, someone comes into uh, my household and rapes someone in my family. If I can kill him the next day, I'm gonna kill him the next. Day. Right? You should kill him the next day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still self defense, or you know, is it retaliation? I don't know. It's it's a tough line, yeah. I think. But as far as the government, ultimately, theoretically, should we be able to reconcile to our conscience? Um, killing, potentially killing mm. people who are, are politicians, who are tyrants, who are traitors to freedom, traitors to the Constitution. Should there be an issue with people killing them? As far as the NAP, there shouldn't be an issue. Um, does self-defense on a broad scale work? I can make the argument that it does That it does work. Mm-hmm. It's not a physical punch to my physical face that I'm blocking, but self-defense as far as they are currently stealing 50% of our income, in some cases, every day. They're currently telling us what to do on our own property, which violates property rights. They're currently actually killing us. You know, some police, some law enforcement, some other uh, government agents are killing us. They're actually So it, it, there's enough violence in there. I think it should be reconciled. But I'm curious what you think about that, too. And I'm curious, having been in the, in the military, do you think... Ultimately, when things do really get worse, like a lot worse, hmm. like they say, everyone with a firearm will have it confiscated the next week. And they send the U.S. military along with the National Guard and Coast Guard and, and everyone else and local law enforcement. How many, as far as U.S. military, how many would actually obey that and how many would disobey it? After FEMA, after uh, Katrina, they sent FEMA and, and National Guard, right? Mm-hmm. And I think some state and city cops, but FEMA people, National Guard, and meaning U.S. military, and, and police I've seen very, very few disobey that order to confiscate guns after Katrina in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Very few disobeyed the order, right? Most of them complied without hesitating and confiscated guns from their own American citizens, right? Yeah. You and and what do you think about the military right now? How many would obey that order? That is it's incredibly tough. So you get stuck fighting against one. Our training is to completely obey. I know, I know, I know. So so they're like completely obey. There's a reason they order. train you like that. Yep, yep. yep. So we so we listen and you do your thing, especially when you're in combat. So you listen to orders, right? So, <clears throat> but domestically, how how hard do you think it is to get over for soldiers domestically, um, going against their own their own American citizens versus disobeying orders, which they're trained to always obey their commander? So this is like I said, this is a very fun question. So a lot of this is going to have to do, I think, has to do with political climate. So we're in a place now. So it's going to depend on how we utilize the forces. If Trump turned around and said. We are going to use the military to take care of all liberals in California, right? The government being considerably more conservative would have much less problem with that. But take care of, do you mean take care of in a good way or in a bad way? Um, we'll say bad. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we'll say worst case scenario. The like government put them in a camp like the last great liberal did with California people? Yeah, so we'll say that. So you'll have, it'll be much easier easier for them to reconcile that because most liberals hate the military regardless yeah. right so and a lot of your soldiers are going to be like okay they're getting rowdy antifa's acting up they could probably justify doing that yep. it might be a little harder if they were like yeah we're going to go to texas and start doing stuff because they're like oh they're a bunch of liberals and no they're a bunch of much more conservative so there's going to be a lot yeah. of scenarios there because i was like i said i was in the military I've sat around hours because we have nothing to do, talking to other soldiers who are like, if they ever try to mobilize us against civilians, they're gone. Like so you, you also have a lot of people that would just it would be a I think it would be a pretty hard split. Some of them would mm-hmm. stay, and a lot of people would abandon. And you but you also have a lot of veterans. Like there's millions of veterans in the country who, yeah. I, again, it could go either way. They would side with the military 
because they want to obey the government or they would side with the people because the government's stepping on the line. And I think a lot of it is going to have to do with the current political climate because if, if Democrats keep doing what they always do, which is tell conservatives how evil they are, they're yeah. not going to get any help from the military. And, and I think <laughs> I think they'll be smart about it. Like Just imagining if in 10 years from now they have to mobilize the U.S. military for whatever reason, mm-hmm. they're not going to say, hey, soldiers, you know, we're going to go in and we're going to... Uh, confiscate the firearms and throw them all in camps and kill half of them. They're gonna they're gonna say they're gonna prep them with, with whatever briefing they do for the whole military and say, hey, listen, here in New Hampshire we have an uprising of crazy radical right wing nationalist white nationalist extremists. They're violent. They're kind of terrorist organization. You know how they would do it. And then a month later, when they actually deploy them, they have the mindset of people like you and me in New Hampshire are are kind of extremists, which people consider us extremists. They would say we're kind of mm-hmm. violent or white nationalists. You see, New Hampshire is so white. You know, they're really radical terrorists, and they would. Get help the. I feel like they would help the soldiers um, justify using yeah. force because they're violent, potentially radicals. Yeah, what I'm saying is, yeah, it's gonna have to lodge with the media, and this is the danger that it comes down to. And it depends on the message it gets across. Because, like I said, there's a huge force of veterans in the country yep, that, yep. if mobilized against the government, could go toe to toe with the government for quite some time. Because, as we've learned from Afghanistan, Vietnam, a small insurgency can do a lot of damage against yeah. the standing military, you know, and they can hold their own for quite some time. Um, so, but soldiers are more attached to other soldiers than they are to the government itself. Interesting. So, there's a mu- there's a I, I don't know how many of my uh, my buddies I've talked to about this who are like. They absolutely despise the military. They miss the people we served. Yeah, with. yeah, of course, of course. So yeah, you know, sense. and you would get. That I hate also. my job. I love my coworkers. Yeah, absolutely yeah, that makes sense. And it's like that with the military too. So if all of a sudden you have a huge force of you know people opposing the government, they were all like veterans. Other soldiers would be like, mm, we don't want to fight against other veterans, yeah, yeah. especially if publicly a case could be made. Maybe whoever stands up and it's like the official leader of whatever rebellion was like. We don't want to hurt you, but the government's stepping out of line. Here's yeah, the point: yeah. join us, because Napoleon did this back in the day. You know, he turned an entire army to his side without spilling any blood because he was able to make that, you know, make that argument. So it's possible. It's possible yeah. to do, but it's can it be done? <laughs> so, but it's, it's also a conversation and, and, and people aren't having. What would you say as far as uh, federal, but state and city law enforcement? Would they be more likely to obey? because they work more directly for the government or less likely to obey because they haven't been trained like soldiers? Again, that's tough. A lot of law enforcement were military. Yeah, so yeah. There's, there's also a very strong connection there too. I don't know. I think it's at the end of the day it's going to be each person has to decide do they want to be deserving to a government and can you make them see your vision of what's wrong with the country? Yeah. You know, because if we stood up and were like, we're going to take down the government, but that government was completely liberal, Democrats would be like, oh, ah, they would yeah, lose yeah. their minds. And on, and vice versa, if the conservatives were like, they're trying to kick out a conservative government to yeah. replace it. So you're going to split the population regardless, so it's going to depend on which forces seem yeah, to be I think, correct. I think the country and I think the military is kind of getting smart and... and uh, becoming wise to the government really being authoritarian. Yeah. They've seen, you know, right and left and Clinton and Bush and Trump and I think a lot of the military people I talk to who are who are current military and veterans and, and really everyone in the country is realizing 
because of the media or Project Veritas or other stuff or because of just the way media is now, so accessible with Facebook and everything, a lot of people are realizing that the government is actually, you know, I think they're leaving the duopoly of, yeah, conservatives good, liberals bad. They're, a lot of people are realizing, wait, everyone in the working in D.C. is pretty evil. They're pretty authoritarian. They probably <laughs> want authoritarian fascism, communism. So I think people are getting wise to it, which is a good thing. So that's my pessimistic side. Yeah. That's my optimistic side. I'm usually pessimistic. But a part of me thinks that because of the accessibility of media and the way social media works, I think a lot of people in the country... Again, if you go around it with a poll and, and you ask every individual in the country, do you trust the government? Or mm -hmm. do you think the government's doing a great job? I imagine 99% will say, hell no. Yeah. So that's that's the good thing. But the problem is how do we make that, how do we translate that uh, feeling into, into you know, implement that? Yeah. Because, because libertarian, freedom, conservative, uh, anarchist, it, it's all based in not trusting government, right? Thinking we could... We have the audacity to think we could run our lives better than they can, right? Mm. And and Reagan said this, you know, we can we can run our own lives better than the government can run my life because I know my life better. Mm. But how do we make people realize that and and translate that the the will of people to run their own lives in and implement that? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest one of the bigger issues here is there are political factions in movement to try and swing power in their favor. And this is my biggest thing where everyone hates Hitler, rightfully mm -hmm. so, but they give a hard slide to communists. And, you know, they're like, oh, communism, socialism, all these things, all oh, these are fantastic things when they've killed more people than Hitler ever could, you know? So, <laughs> hundreds you know, of millions, yeah. Yeah. So you're dealing with a political group that, like you said, everyone wants more freedom. But they're being tricked. But to, That's what it is. They're being tricked. Yeah. But to. But each group has a different idea of what freedom looks like, you know? Yeah. One group is very, I want guns, I want all my stuff, I want freedom of speech. The other group is, you know, what, uh, I don't even know the liberal standing points, you know, the, the abortion, and they want to, I don't even know their platform that well, other than... It's, it's based on, like, pretty much <laughs> equality and, and the false promise of what prosperity would be, because yeah. everyone has a good a quality of life. And, and they, they make, they, they kind of try to uh, convince people that that's freedom as well. And they, and yeah. they say, well, oh, you want freedom with, with no taxes and no uh, social welfare. People can't have the freedom to even, you know, send their kids to school and eat food, and then you can't be free if you're starving. And yeah. that, that's what they say. Yeah. So therefore, we need, you know, 80% taxes, 50% taxes, and a lot of laws, and then the government can make sure we're all equal, then we can all have the freedom to be free. And that's what they say. But but again, they're, they're being tricked. Mm -hmm. the, the way I think that... The government, the leftist movement in the country, the Democrat Party, is, is convincing so many people, so many millennials, so many American voters that socialism and communism is good is because – and it's so easy because they control almost all of education in the country on every level, from federal down to state and city, yeah. school districts. The, the left controls it. They control media. Is it 80% or 60% of media? They control media. Mm -hmm. it's, it's CNN. They control social media. They control the TV, the social media. Um, some radio, they control a lot of print media. They control a lot of media. Mm. Um, and, and just, we can do a whole show on Facebook and Twitter, yeah. what, what that is. But but you can really help to guide policy, as we saw a little bit with the Zuckerberg hearings. You know, if you if you uh, suppress that a little bit and you and you uplift that a little bit, you can really affect the mm. billions of users on Facebook for what they see. If they don't see that conservative article and they see that leftist article, maybe of the billion readers, a half million will be convinced. And yeah. you convinced half a million people. So it's very powerful also. Um so they have they have all, almost all of the education. They have a lot of media. They have a lot of other institutions as well. 
Um, they kind of have the chords. They have a lot. Of, they have Hollywood. So Hollywood, all the shows, all the Netflix. I call it Leftflix. Um, they have the movies from all all of Hollywood and media, all of media as far as traditional media, social media, and education. That's almost every institution that raises our kids, right? What are you raised by? The TV you watch, your school, the the movies, the, the media around you, the CBT. Yeah. So it's all these things, and, and that's how they help to, sometimes in a subtle way, but sometimes they just say, hey, socialism is great. But they convince these people, and they poison these kids in in the schools. And I've seen it in my schools in New York a little bit, of, of making them think, you know, capitalism is bad, you know, yeah, capitalism, they're cronies, they're bad, they're evil, like in 1984. Um, the capitalists with the big top black top hats they're evil and they convince people that socialism is about equality and you know they are the big people out there running off with all the money and they're hoarding all the money under the mattress which is it's not true they don't do it you know it goes to banks and they actually loan out and they help people and they hire millions of people like Jeff Bezos the evil guy hiring how many millions of people yeah. so yeah they, they don't hoard the money people think you know it's a zero sum game they don't mm. hoard the money under the mattress yeah all, yeah. it's always my funniest thing they're like this person's a billionaire. Why can't they, you know, use their money for other things? I'm like, they're well, using because they have the money and they put it in a bank account, and then the banks use that for other shit. Like, they don't so have it on. When them. you buy a house and a car, <laughs> that you're getting a loan from a bank. The yeah. bank only has that money because evil people like Bezos put, keeps their money in a bank. Yeah. And Bezos is hiring, you know, the big rich people hire millions of people. Yeah. If the Liberty Box becomes massive, we'll hire people. Yeah. Aren't jobs good? Every right, every uh, right wing and left wing politician says jobs are good, right? So one thing they agree on: jobs are good. Yeah. Conservatives say we support small business and jobs. Democrats say we support small local business and jobs. If we support jobs, you should support, support people being as rich as possible. Walmart, mm -hmm. they're very rich. Yeah, big evil Walton family. They might be leftists, but they probably are. But they hire millions of people. They give me great cheap products. You know, why not let us be happy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they, there's a whole other skew of why they hate Walmart and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, it's just, uh, no, everything has a little bit of politics in it. And yeah. You know, People aren't willing to go down that road. <laughs> but, oh, man. So, any other things you want to talk about? We've been going at this for like an hour now. Um. Oh, my I, God. There's so I much. Could we could do a 10-hour show. I want to talk about Domino's. I love yeah, Domino's. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We were on that earlier. <laughs> I've been having Domino's uh, almost every week on my Wednesday shift. My partner and I got Domino's. Big pizza and a big chicken. And, but nowadays, we really like doing it because we're supporting the roads. So, I wrote an article about this as well, about paying for pizza. When I heard about Domino's... Uh, paving the roads and fixing the roads I was so excited so so just in short for the people who, who argue with libertarians or don't know libertarians one of the biggest arguments is that without government without high taxes and you know socialism and, and government programs who would pay for the roads and and libertarians generally respond with people if people want roads they will pay for it either companies like Domino's or people or communities individually people will pay for the roads don't worry about it in fact, where you see the most government, the highest taxes, you see the worst roads. Like New York City, the highest taxes, DOT budget of a billion a year, they still have the worst roads in the country because they just, just don't care and because of the unions. Um, anyway, Domino's, a few months ago, um, unveiled this new program that's, I guess, I guess in, in trial stages, only doing four cities right now in the country. But they're fixing the roads. Domino's, and they came out with the whole commercial, the whole campaign, saying, you know, their whole paving for pizza campaign. And, and what they were essentially saying is that their delivery drivers, when they bring pizza to people's homes or when people have carry out and they drive their own pizza home, by the time the pizza arrives at the house ready to be eaten, it's um, all jumbled up and mixed up in the box because of hitting all the, the bumps on the roads. So they figured, you know, we want pizza to arrive decently and not in a crumpled mess of, of uh, cheese and, and sauce and bread. Let's pave the roads. And they've been paving roads in, in four cities, and I, I wrote them in my article, and it's on the website, four cities around the country they're starting. And their efficiency numbers is incredibly astounding compared to government. You have the DOT in New York City, a billion dollars a year, a few hundred, a few hundred million goes towards paving potholes. They pave what three potholes a year, mm -hmm. and they're so poorly done they got to redo them next year. 
you look at the efficiency numbers of how many 40 potholes they're filling in like eight hours, incredible what Domino's is doing because they're hiring private, private, you know, contractors. So they're fixing the roads. Go to pavingforpizza.com, I believe, and you can nominate your own city. I nominated Manchester because we have crappy roads. So it's it's incredible. So now nowadays, you know, when I'm at work or something and we hit a big bump with the ambulance, massive bump and our patient gets hurt, you know, now now they're screaming in pain. I tell my partner, hey, partner, speak to me, get Domino's later and support my roads. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And... I had a very similar thought when I saw the commercial. I was like, ha, my wife's like, what? And I'm like, I've been telling you. And, you know, again, the biggest argument I get from a lot of people is, oh, libertarian ideas aren't being enacted. I'm like, right there, it's enacted. We try. Like, they're trying. Like, every chance they get, like, I think I use this example all the time, it's hard to give out a bunch of money when it's being taxed away. You know, you have to do well enough that you have a lot of extra money. If we didn't have so many taxes, you'd have more money to do stuff with, right? So, um, and that's one of the big things is they are, even in this crazy-ass market, people are trying to enact things that are libertarian ideals. Yeah, voluntarism works. Yeah. And even though even though people have 30 40 50% of their income taken, like I had 45% of my income taken last year from the government, people are still giving charity. I, I've given charity, but I'm not the most charitable person. I did some volunteering, but I, I don't give a lot of money to charity, but I, I give very little. But in America, those greedy capitalists give over $370 billion a year in charity. And that's... With half their money being taken by the government, imagine how much charity would be given in the U.S. if the government didn't take any of our money. Mm-hmm. If we had no taxation, yeah. it would be in the trillions. Yeah, and I'm not a big charity person, but I put a lot of money into small businesses because yep. that's I, I deal with a lot of small businesses. I sit down with them all the time on the show, and when I I find one, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I, I give them a lot of money to support help them in, in various ways. Yeah, yeah. So I don't do like I do some private charities, but a lot of times it's working with small businesses and you know taking their products in and all stuff and of course i could do more if we had more money like I yeah. do a hell of a lot more if i know? if i had back the uh 17 dollars the federal government's already taken this year if i had it back in my pocket i could give half of that to charity ten thousand dollars to charity right now yeah you know we could give more if we had more but the government steals it and then they give it out in various horrible social programs and then they say they're the generous ones yeah they steal our money give it out to others and say they're generous yeah it's amazing exactly and i think this is one of the biggest uh probably logic fallacies I, I run into all the time. People are like, so the minimum wage thing. This comes up quite a bit. People are like, we need a $15 minimum wage. And I'm like, five minutes ago you told me you want to tax people more. Oh, we can tax them up to 50%. What you're actually saying is you only want to pay people $7 an hour, you know, plus $7 an hour in taxes. Like, you can't keep telling me you want to increase wages and increase taxes directly alongside or more so than that i'm like why would you do that i'm all for raising mm-hmm. wages letting the companies decide that and then reducing taxes and you actually free up more damn money oh my god you gotta do a show on the minimum wage sometime together too because i wrote an article about it but i want to do a show on minimum wage also because yeah new hampshire has no minimum wage right so it's the federal minimum wage in new hampshire yes yeah, no like state seven something yeah so it's like 725 the federal right yet new hampshire has the highest median income in the country how is that because mm-hmm. we have economic freedom Yep. But I, I love the minimum wage. It's so beautiful because, because you know, the higher the higher uh, your salary is, the more you make per hour, the higher brackets you are. So everyone's, there are seven brackets, and and your your first uh, nine thousand or so is taxed at a certain percentage. Your next nine to eighteen thousand is taxed at a higher percentage. And the more you make, the more higher brackets you're in overall. So when you're making fifteen dollars an hour, you're paying higher taxes. So you make seven dollars an hour. You keep most of it. You make fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, you're only in a slightly higher bracket throughout your few, two, three brackets that, are, that apply to you. But if you listen to what Bernie Sanders wants, which is 50% or maybe even 90%, like he said, 90% income tax, 
But even just 50% income tax, if you're in the 50% bracket overall, then you make $15 an hour, $750 goes to the government. You give $750 anyway. It doesn't help anyone, but it helps the government. They make more money. They get to sound like they're all righteous because, you know, I passed a law. I helped you get $15 minimum wage. I'm righteous. No, I'm yeah. just stealing more of your money. Yeah. They make off like bandits, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's a it's a slam dunk uh, ideology. It's a slam dunk policy for them. Yeah. They get minimum wage. They make, they sound good. Yeah, I'm making. I'm raising wages. You still have the money by taxes because you tax more the higher the income, and you know everyone's happy. It's amazing. Yeah, and they literally tricks people into thinking that's the correct thing to do. So I just I saw someone this last night. I'm like, I wish, I wish as a salesperson I could be like, no, give me your money. Here's your product. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, and it's so bad. I mean, and and like here at seven twenty-five. So if they actually pass the fifteen-dollar minimum wage, like like the Democrats are, are campaigning on, Molly Kelly and everyone campaigning on that for governor, right? If they actually pass that, that means that the the people who are making minimum, which again we have a good economy, so most people, mm-hmm. very few people, are making minimum. But for the let's say someone's making seven bucks an hour, if they have to be paid fifteen bucks an hour, that means that by definition their employer has to lay off half of the workforce. Yeah. If you're paying 10 employees $7 an hour, and now you have to pay every employee who exists, who you, who you, every employee you hire, everyone you employ has to make $15, you have to either raise prices by 200%, twofold, mm-hmm. make your dollar items now $2, meaning you're going to lose sales, meaning you're bankrupt, or fire half your workforce and make the five remaining ones work twice as hard. Yeah. So you're losing jobs. People are working harder. No, you just laid off half the workforce. Congratulations. It's such a horrible policy. It's so bad. Yeah. It's incredible that it still has any like validity, according to anyone. Yeah. And what I've been seeing a lot in New Hampshire, which I love, this is this makes me laugh. So instead of hiring a workforce, like me, for instance, you know, if I need someone to do my taxes, I have an accountant. Like I, it's a it's a separate company that I work with. So instead of like hiring all these people into a company and paying them a forced wage, you know, you literally just shop other companies and you have these like almost Lego blocks of little groups <laughs> yeah. of companies that get the job done, but now we're kind of like little pseudo companies, you know? And so, cause people are getting around it. Cause instead of hiring employees, they can be like, okay, I'm going to go work with this other business and together. You can say you're a private contractor or you can do other stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. People are always going to find their way around, yep. around paying the, with these, dealing with these laws, of course. Yep. And it's like, and you have automation. Stay out of it. The higher the minimum wage, the more automation, because it makes more sense to build a robot for a yep. few bucks than pay 15 bucks an hour forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever. No, yeah. and that's like the marketing side of my business is geared towards that, you know, because um, it's essentially an entire self-contained system that goes out, finds clients, and brings them back in, mm-hmm. hopefully as paying customers. You don't have to pay a salesperson. You don't have to pay like their hourly. You have to pay their commission. It's literally just a set monthly rate. It goes out, comes back with customers, and you're done. Like, and it's yeah. all about automation. And it's about eliminating as many, literally almost needless jobs, so you can just run the place yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just it's insane. But yeah, I mean, we could literally do this all day, and we're probably gonna have to do it again. Yeah, literally, so, yeah, uh, absolutely. We've had this for a little over an hour now, so I'm gonna call it here. So people that want to learn a little more, reach out, talk to you. How do they get on? LibertyBlock.com. We have a very big presence on Facebook. That's pretty much all social media we do. It'll be facebook.com slash the Liberty Block, I believe. But yeah, libertyblock.com. You'll find our Facebook there. You'll find our podcast there, all the videos, everything else. We do a lot of other stuff. We do a status of the month. So every month we'll try to highlight the worst status in here. I love it. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. I'll have to come back soon. Yeah, definitely.
Thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you all had fun. Um, these ideas are definitely mine. If you're offended by it, don't watch my show. Thank you all so much. Have a great day.